Hey, welcome back to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Sunday, September 17th, 2023, and I'm here with a few thoughts on number six Ohio State's 63 to 10 evisceration of the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers in the Horseshoe yesterday afternoon. And hey, about midway through the second quarter, it was the game I was mostly expecting to see. I said in our preview pod that Western Kentucky was good enough to make things at least a little uncomfortable for Ohio State fans, certainly in the early going of this game. And, you know, there we were. It was 14-10 to Ohio State with 8-10 to play in the second quarter. Now, after a strip sack on Kyle McCord at the Western Kentucky 41-yard line, the Hilltoppers would go 75 yards in seven plays, capping the drive with a two-yard touchdown pass from Austin Reed to Malachi Corley. And, you know, Reed up to that point was ripping it. I mean, he threw for 81 yards in the first quarter, 91 in the second. And Malachi Corley was given Ohio State secondary some issues, as we thought he might. He had 66 yards receiving in the first half and looked well on his way to a 100-yard day. And the Western Kentucky defense, which was one of the nation's top defenses in forcing turnovers the last two seasons, turned in what looked like you know a game-turning strip sack on McCord. Defensive tackle Hosea Wheeler had a free run at McCord on the play to force the fumble. So there we were, 14-10 Ohio State. The horseshoe had just been silenced by the McCord turnover and the ensuing Western Kentucky scoring drive. Things were starting to feel, you know, a little uncomfortable for the Buckeyes. And uh, that discomfort would last all of 10 seconds because on the next play from scrimmage, Kyle McCord would hit Marvin Harrison Jr. on a 75-yard rainbow to extend the Buckeye lead to 21-10. to 10. And that play would start a flurry of haymakers from both the Ohio State offense and defense that quickly ended any notion Western Kentucky would make this a game. Now, in Western Kentucky's next three possessions, the Ohio State pass rush made pretty much its first appearance of the 2023 season, forcing the Hilltoppers into two different turnovers on downs before the half. Now, trailing 21 to 10, the Hilltoppers would gamble on and go for it on fourth and six from their own 40-yard line. But JT Tuimolo would force Austin Reed into a terrible throw into triple coverage. Josh Proctor, who actually played very well in this game, almost picked it off. The ball would fall harmlessly to the turf, and the Buckeyes would take over at the Western Kentucky 40-yard line. And on the very next play, Chip Trainum would rumble 40 yards up the middle for the touchdown to put the Buckeyes up 28-10. And at that point, the route was on. Three plays later, Jordan Hancock would force a fumble with a big hit on Hilltopper receiver Blue Smith. Davis and Igbenosin would recover the ball at the Western Kentucky 48-yard line. Four plays later, McCord would hit Emeka Ibuka for a 15-yard touchdown pass to put the Buckeyes up 35-10 with 1.55 to play in the half. Now, if you're Western Kentucky at that stage, you have to be thinking, Let's run out the clock. we got to stop the bleeding. Let's try to regroup at halftime and get ourselves back into this game. Nope, that was not the approach at all. Now, after a 30-yard completion from Austin Reed to River Helms got Western Kentucky down to the Ohio State 42-yard line, the Buckeye defense would stiffen once again. Tyleek Williams would sack Reed two plays later to force a Western Kentucky uh, third down and 10. The Ohio State pass rush would then force Reed into two incompletions on third and then fourth down. And on that fourth down play, 
you know, as much as we've been complaining about the Ohio State pass rush, on that fourth down play, the Buckeyes got pressure on Reed with only three defensive linemen. And it was JT Tuimolowau and Jack Sawyer collapsing the pocket on Reed that forced him into an into that incompletion. The Buckeyes would get the ball back at their own 42-yard line with only 28 seconds left. And that was plenty of time for Kyle McCord to lead the Buckeyes to another touchdown drive. Now, he hit Kate Stover for a 40-yard completion that would get the Buckeyes uh, down into the red zone. And then he would hit Emeka Buka again, this time from 14 yards out for uh, another touchdown. And the Buckeyes would take a 42-10 lead into the half. And at that stage, the game was basically over. Now, look, I know Western Kentucky isn't Penn State. I know they're not Michigan. Uh, by the way, neither of those teams looked all that great yesterday. More on those those teams in a minute. But the Hilltoppers are a pretty damn good group of five team with one of the best offenses in the country. And a lot of folks who are paid for their opinions about college football thought West, the Western Kentucky offense would give Ohio State real trouble yesterday. And many of those same people were questioning whether the Buckeyes were truly a title contender going into yesterday's game. And rightfully so. I mean, through two games, we did not see anything really resembling the team that eviscerated Western Kentucky yesterday. I mean, the last eight minutes and 10 seconds of that first half were pretty frightening. I mean, you can count on one hand the number of teams that can turn the lights out on an opponent like that. Uh, And certainly Ohio State is one of them. And the Buckeyes did it through the air. They did it on the ground. And they did it with their defense, both with their pass rush and some excellent play in the secondary and I gotta say man I am feeling pretty damn bullish on this Ohio State team uh, heading to South Bend next week but more on that in a minute now Kyle McCord finished the afternoon 19 to 23 for 318 yards and three touchdown passes and the only real blemish on his day was the strip sack in the second quarter and you know that was not a great moment for him obviously it looked like McCord had Marvin Harrison Jr. open on the play, but for some reason he hesitated and took the sack. And of course, he didn't secure the football. But you have to love the response by McCord because on the very next play from scrimmage for the Ohio State offense, McCord hits Marvin Harrison Jr. for the 75-yard bomb. I mean, I just love that McCord shook off the mistake. He didn't sulk. You know, we didn't see any shitty body language from him. Like we sometimes got out of C.J. Stroud, you know, as good as Stroud was, some of the body language from Stroud when things weren't going well was left a lot to be desired. And then the very first opportunity, McCord got to make amends for his mistake. He dazzles us with that rainbow to Harrison Jr., which traveled, I think, a good 50 yards in the air. Harrison Jr., by the way, finished with five catches on seven targets for 126 yards and a touchdown. Cade Stover, caught all five of his targets for 90 yards, and Emeka Ibuka caught all four of his for 57 yards and two touchdown grabs. And it was another nice day out of Travion Henderson in the run game, 88 yards on the ground on 13 carries and two touchdown runs. Henderson also had a nifty 27-yard reception on third and two from the Ohio State 41-yard line to keep the chains moving on Ohio State's second scoring drive of the game. I mean, there was a Western Kentucky defensive back in position to drop Henderson short of the marker, but Henderson dismissed him and got the ball all the way down to the Hilltopper 27-yard line. Uh, We also saw Henderson hurdle another tackler on what looked like one of those frustrating, you know, plays into the boundary it looked like Western Kentucky had the play diagnosed and was going to go for no gain. But Henderson hurdles the tackler and turns it into a four-yard gain. And then he would go on to score from seven yards out on the next play to put the Buckeyes up 14-3. to 
You know, we complained about Ohio State's poor conversion rate on third down. On that scoring drive, the Buckeyes converted three times on third down, including Henderson's touchdown run. On the day, the Ohio State offense was better on third down. They were uh, much better uh, than they were against Indiana and Youngstown State. They were 5 of 10. But, you know, a couple of those third down conversions uh, that were missed were pretty inconsequential and came after the Buckeyes already had a stranglehold on the game. Uh, when it mattered, the Buckeyes were much better on third down in this game. On the day, the Ohio State rushing attack finished with 204 yards, 6.2 yards per carry, and three rushing touchdowns, two from Henderson and one from Trainum. And while the game was still in doubt, uh, it was it was Henderson and Trainum carrying the load. Uh, Trainum finished with 56 yards on five carries. We did not see Mayan Williams until garbage time. I wonder if if Williams is still not completely healthy. I believe he has an ankle or a, a foot injury of some kind that he's been working through since fall camp. But, you know, overall solid output by the Ohio State run game against, albeit one of the worst, if not the worst, rush defenses in the country in Western Kentucky. Now, I thought the offensive line outside of the strip sack where it looked like Hosea Wheeler had a free run at McCord, I thought the line did its job. According to PFF left tackle, Josh Simmons led the starting offensive line with a pass blocking grade of 86.8. Josh Fryer led the starters with a run blocking grade of 85.7. The line allowed only three quarterback pressures. And, you know, you have to credit them for the 6.2 yards per carry in the run game. You know, when you don't really notice the offensive line, then I think you know that they're doing their job. And I think that probably best describes their performance yesterday. So solid output by the offensive line. They did their job. They did what everyone expected them to do against an opponent like Western Kentucky. But to me, the real story yesterday was the play of the Ohio State defense. That was the unit that figured to get the biggest test in this game, the pass rush in particular. Now, we all knew the Buckeye offense would have a day against a pretty putrid Western Kentucky defense, but the silver bullets were the reason the Buckeyes won in the dominant fashion that they did. I mean, from the eight-minute mark of the second quarter, the defense snuffed out any notion that the Hilltoppers were going to make this a game. Now, in our preview pod, we talked about third down as a pretty big area of concern for the Buckeyes. I just talked about third-town conversions on offense. Now, through two games, Ohio State was not nearly up to its standard, both in converting third downs as an offense and getting off the field on third down as a defense. Yesterday, that was not the case, though. Western Kentucky only 3 of 15 on third down, and a big reason for that was the pass rush. Now, Jack Sawyer, who I took to task last week for being a missing person in the Ohio State pass rush, led the Buckeyes with seven quarterback pressures. JT Tuimoloau finished right behind him with six. Now, neither recorded a sack, but they both applied big-time pressure on Austin Reed when it really mattered yesterday. They were in Reed's face on virtually every big passing down. Now, according to PFF, Sawyer and Tuimoloau were the starting defense's highest-graded defenders. Sawyer finished with a grade of 93.4, Tuimoloau 90.7. I also love what I saw at a defensive tackle, Tyleek Williams. He was a factor once again. Williams is having a great season. He had a sack on Austin Reed and recovered a fumble in the end zone for a touchdown. Now at linebacker, 
I thought Steel Chambers played lights out. He finished second on the team in tackles with eight, including one tackle for loss. He also intercepted Austin Reed in the third quarter and had one other pass breakup. Chambers finished with the defense's second highest tackling grade of 82.3, that's according to PFF, and an overall grade of 83.3. Now, if you're one of these Ohio State fans that thinks C.J. Hicks should be playing, and and look, for the record, I'd love to see Hicks play as well. I'm sorry to tell you, you're going to be waiting until 2024 to see that. Now, Hicks may prove to be the higher upside player when, when he does get his opportunities, but Chambers right now is entirely too valuable to take off the field. I also think he's an underrated playmaker for this defense as well. I think people forget uh, the the big plays that Chambers has turned in in his career. I mean, remember, he had an interception against Georgia in the Peach Bowl. Uh, so great performance, I thought, out of Chambers yesterday and, and very solid uh, in the tackling department. Defense, by the way, single digits and missed tackles again. Only eight, I believe, for the defense. So they, they tackled very well against an offense that is known for making things happen You know, after the catch. So really love what I saw out of the defense in that regard. Finally, Denzel Burke. Man, I, I think he's starting to make a real case as a Thorpe Award finalist. Two more pass breakups for Burke yesterday. He also forced a fumble on Hilltopper running back Davion Irvin Poindexter that was recovered for the touchdown by Tyleek Williams. I mentioned that earlier. Burke has been a lockdown corner for the Buckeye defense. And against a potent Western Kentucky passing game, I mean, there was nothing doing on Burke's side of the, uh, side of the field at all. Now, I've been complaining for the last 10 months about the lack of splash plays from the Ohio State defense, but yesterday, eight tackles for loss, two sacks, four turnovers, including two defensive scores. You also had freshman cornerback Jermaine Matthews come up with a pick six on Western Kentucky's backup quarterback, Bronson Barron. Yesterday was a much-needed deluge of everything I wanted and needed to see from the Ohio State defense heading into the big matchup with Notre Dame next Saturday. The Buckeye defense was great on third down. I've already mentioned that. Three of 15 for Western Kentucky on third down. They were excellent both in pass rush and coverage. According to PFF, the overall grades for pass rush and coverage were over 90 for the Buckeye defense. Now, Austin Reed, look, man, he led the country in passing yards last season, and the Buckeyes held him to 21 of 37 for only 207 yards, one touchdown, and a pick. Reed only had 35 yards passing after halftime. Last season, Western Kentucky was 12th nationally in offensive yards per play at 6.71. Yesterday, the Buckeye defense held the Hilltoppers to 3.9 yards per play. Now, through three games, the Buckeyes are third nationally in total defense, allowing 223.7 yards per game, and they're second nationally in defensive yards per play at 3.63. So it's only three games. It's come against you know three overmatched opponents but the early returns by the Buckeye defense especially what we saw yesterday very very positive and I'm feeling very very good uh, about the Buckeyes now heading into this game with Notre Dame so now we can finally turn our attention to the Irish according to DraftKings Ohio State is an early three-point favorite in that game Now, after a bit of a slow start against Western Michigan yesterday, the Irish pulled away in the second half against the Chippewas to win 41-17. Notre Dame quarterback Sam Hartman was impressive again yesterday, finishing 16-26 for 330 yards and three more touchdown passes. 
Running back Audric Estime looked great again for the Irish. Estime finished with 176 yards on 20 carries and a touchdown. Right now, Estime leads the country in rushing yards with 521, and he's 12th nationally, averaging 8.27 yards per carry. Wow. And the Notre Dame defense is right behind Ohio State in the national rankings. The Irish are fourth nationally in total defense, averaging 234 yards per game, and they're third in defensive yards per play at 3.82. On paper, this looks like it's going to be a great battle between two top 10 heavyweights. Paige and I are going to be there. I think CP might even make the trip as well. We're going to have a lot more to say about this game in our preview pod on Thursday. But I got to say, I'm feeling bullish right now on the Buckeyes, and I love our chances to come out of South Bend with a victory. Real quick before I wrap things up, I thought Penn State and Michigan were underwhelming against overmatched opponents yesterday. Penn State never trailed at Illinois, but I was left wondering how things might have played out if Illinois quarterback Luke Altmeyer wasn't a goddamn turnover machine. (laughs) Four INTs by Altmeyer and five total turnovers by a pretty hapless Illinois offense. But it was not a great day by Penn State quarterback Drew Aller. 16 of 33 for only 208 yards passing and no touchdowns. And Penn State's star duo at running back Catron Allen and Nicholas Singleton were not huge factors in this game. Only 54 yards on 13 carries for Allen and 37 yards on 11 carries for Singleton. Now, Penn State grinds it out 30 to 13. But eh, maybe we need to slow our roll a little bit on Drew Aller and that Penn State offense uh, now that we've seen them against a decent Big Ten defense. Now, meanwhile, in the big house last night, Michigan was an underwhelming 31-6 winner over Bowling Green. J.J. McCarthy, whew, I caramba. 8 of 13 for 143 yards and three terrible interceptions, including one in the end zone. Now, McCarthy did have two touchdown passes, but I mean, come on, it's Bowling Green. The Michigan run game was, they were fine. 169 yards on 31 carries. Blake Corum led the Wolverines with 101 yards on 12 carries and two touchdowns. But look, if the national media is going to shit on Ohio State for a lackluster performance against Youngstown State last week, I mean, I can't imagine there'll be much turd polishing for this one uh, for the Wolverines. Um, The three picks by McCarthy against perhaps the worst team in the MAC. Are we good with that, Michigan fans? I I don't know. That's not a great sign. Now I'm looking at where Michigan's first three opponents landed in Phil Steele's preseason rankings here. Eastern Carolina, 90th, UNLV, 117th, and Bowling Green, 120th. We're not going to know anything about Michigan probably until November 11th when they travel to Penn State. Until then, they're going to be largely measured by what they accomplished last year, I think. But uh, yeah, not a great look, I don't think, for Michigan struggling as they did against Bowling Green. And J.J. McCarthy, man... Makes you wonder, you know, a defense that can make him throw into tight windows and and make good decisions, maybe even put a little pressure on him. Um, Man, I think Michigan can be had by a defense that can do that. And Ohio State might just have that kind of a defense this year, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, that's going to do it for me. Look for a Notre Dame preview pod from Paige, Chad, and myself, more than likely on Thursday, though we may do it on Wednesday. Until then, thanks so much for listening, and go Bucks.
been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.